0: Hey, if you're visiting with us, uh, my name is Jerron, I'm one of the pastors here, I'm glad you could join us, um, hope you um, were received um, with a warm welcome, um, hope you continue to be received with a warm welcome, welcome everybody online, glad you could join us as well. Um, we're going to jump into the scripture now, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, um, turn there, uh, once you got it, let's stand and read this together, Um this is a single talk. We're not going to have connected to any series or anything. I just liked the scripture and a few weeks ago thought this would be a good week to preach this. Um, and we'll start a new series next week. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, For my burden, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." We can dismiss the morning right there. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for being here, presenting yourself to us. Help us to receive you. Amen. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to that part of you that wants and needs and has a desire to know. Um, At the least, I'd say the average person in this room at the least wants to know what it is to live right in the society that we find ourselves in. We want to know what it is to live right as we go through life. Uh, the Christians, our term for that would be righteousness. We want to know right living. And at the most, I'd say a good number of us want to know God. Who are you? What do you think? What do you say? So I want to talk to that part of you that wants to know um, this is what we what we're presented with in this passage. Jesus, he's inviting us into this divine educational experience where he gives us God and righteousness. He's saying, come be a part of this education system that I give you. Um, so keeping in the spirit of today, back to school, starting in a few weeks, praying for our students, our title for today will be enrollment time. It's enrollment time. Um, preach for me. Uh, look to someone next to you and say, today's enrollment time. Uh, now pick somebody else and like you're happy to get back to school and say it's enrollment time. So what we've got in this passage is Jesus. There there are various aspects of this invitation into an educational experience that he gives us. So what I want to do is I just want to point out a few uh, aspects of this invitation. Um, so the first thing I want to point out to you is that Jesus, he presents us with a supplies list. Uh, parents, some of y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, where the teacher will send home a piece of paper of supplies that you need to bring, that your ch- uh, child needs to bring to school so that they can best be equipped to learn. They have stuff on there like bring a notebook and bring paper, bring an eraser, bring pencils, bring tissues, bring soap, bring stuff. Um, uh, they have you in a, in a scavenger hunt in Walmart. Uh, I used to go with my mom to go get the supplies list because, one, I'm an extremely picky person. But... Um, Two, I wanted to be obnoxious. For example, our teacher would say, bring a notebook and bring some loose-leaf paper. And I was like, mom, that's not good enough. I need the notebook that I can rip out the loose-leaf paper. So whenever our teacher's like, get out some paper, I wanted to be the obnoxious kid that just, shh, that everyone could see me. The, the supplies list. Um, check, what's on the, check what's on the top of Jesus' supplies list. He says, when you come to this educational experience, I want you to come with emptiness. You see how he starts off in his prayer. He says, Father, I thank you. Why? Because you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed these things to the little children. What are these things? These things are the truth of God and righteousness. What's right? Jesus says you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding. These are those who have a sense of self-sufficiency who would call themselves wise, who say, I understand, who say, I have the ability to figure it out within my own strength and capacity. Jesus says, God has hidden those things from the wise. And he says, you've revealed them, you've shown them, you've given them to the little children. Uh, those who have a sense of immaturity, not like childish being immature, but those who say, I'm not capable of figuring this out on my own. I I need someone to teach me. Jesus says, You've given them these things to them. I just point out right quick that the pursuit of knowledge is primarily interaction with God and not a detached scientific method of learning. No, Jesus says God's involved in this pursuit of knowledge. God's involved in your seeking of knowledge. This isn't something you can manipulate and that you can master and that you can just do. No, Jesus say, no, God's involved in this. And he's saying God has decided to give the knowledge to the little children. I read this book um, a few weeks ago about um, spiritual growth. And the guy tells this story in one of these chapters. He says there is a um, a college professor who wanted to learn martial arts. So he hits up this martial arts master and he sets up an appointment with him and he gets there and the martial arts master takes him and sits him down at a table. And then the martial arts master gives him a cup of tea and he starts pouring into this cup of tea. And he says, the martial arts master pours, pours, pours till the cup's like full. And then he keeps on pouring. And so the college professor at first is like, well, this is some weird Mr. Miyagi type stuff and I don't understand. Then at some point, the college professor is like, hey. Nothing else can go into the cup. And the, the, the martial arts master says, this cup is you. He says, I can't teach you anything if you come to me already full of assumptions. Uh, you can't pour into an already full cup. God says, I'm not pouring into your already full cup. He says, I want you to come empty. Why, why? Jesus says, why does he do this? Cause it was his gracious will. God just decided to not pour knowledge into those of us who come already full. Uh, D.L. Moody, he preached a sermon once and he says, God doesn't send you away empty unless you come to him full of yourself. He says, you got to come empty. Uh, c- c- come empty. Here's an example. Come empty of your trust in your own ability to reason. You know, we approach God with confidence in our ability to reason. We We, we, we depend on our reason. This is where I ended my last sermon. This is where I'll start this one. That we put reason over all and say, I can reason myself to God. And my reasoning determines who God is. And my reasoning dictates who God is. This is how this plays out more often than not. We'll learn a framework for viewing the world, say at work or at school or on the news. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but what we'll do is we'll take those frameworks and look at God through that lens. And if God doesn't fit this lens that we've reasoned, we either reject God God or change God to fit that lens. Jesus is saying you got to come empty or or come empty of your trust in your own emotion. Our our, our primary indicator for if what we hear is actually the truth of God is if it sits right with my feelings. If it makes me emotionally uncomfortable, that can't be who God is. If it makes me emotionally uncomfortable, that can't be what God says. Your emotions are good, God-given, terrible, terrible filters for truth. He says, come empty of your trust in your emotions. Come empty of your trust in your own skepticism. Listen, I'm not I'm not denouncing the academy. I'm getting my master's. My wife's getting my master's, Lord willing. Someday I'll have an earned doctorate. I love the academy. But what's happened is that the academy over the past few years has, has developed this way of critical thinking where we look at everything with extreme criticism. Who's behind this? What power are they gaining? What's their agenda? Can I trust this? And that has filtered its way into society to where we're just flat out skeptical of everything. This isn't just some educated, progressive, liberal thing. No, this is everybody. We have this extreme distrust for anything presented to us. And so now when we're somewhere and we're learning God, we can't trust whatever we're hearing. Jesus says, come empty. Last, come empty of your emotions. I mean, not your emotions, your assumptions is probably the most common throughout history is that we just assume who God must be and what God must think. And the funny thing is most of what we think God must be and think is really in line with that thing we really want to do. God must want me to do this thing I really want to do. God must want me to follow my heart. God must be like this. And here's what happens. Our pursuit of God turns into confirmation bias. That means we see what we want to see. We hear what we want to see, what we want to hear. And it ends up being this fake picture of who God is. He says, come empty of those assumptions. He says, come empty and I'll feel you. This is the good news of this passage that Jesus says you revealed these things to the little children. That means you don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a Bible college degree. You don't have to be raised in the church. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have commentaries or lectionaries. You don't even got to have a good preacher. Jesus just says, come empty and I'll fill you. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who don't got it. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God bless you. You must become like a little children not having it. And then you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. That's good news. Yeah. He says, I want you to come empty. So that's our supplies list. Then Jesus, he introduces us to the teacher. <laughs> Parents, some of y'all are doing this in the next few weeks where you take your kids to the school a few days earlier and you meet the teacher. Jesus, he, he lets us meet the teacher. Um, he's actually pointing out himself when he says meet the teacher. Um, Jesus is our only teacher. You see what he says next? He says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. Um, just for the sake of time, that means that the father has given Jesus the task and responsibility to teach people God. And then here's Jesus's basis because no one has seen the father except the son and no one has seen the son except for the father. Jesus saying, I'm the only one with personal experience of God. Therefore, I'm the one with responsibility to teach God. Um, so when I was in high school and uh, junior high, um, it used to go down in my school. Fights every day, all kinds of crazy stuff. And me being the nosy person I am and my friends being the nosy people they are. Whenever we heard a fight was going to uh, happen, we needed to know. We just wanted to know what happened, who hit who, who hit first. Did they get knocked out? Who won? We just needed to know. So we spend the rest of the day trying to figure out what happened at this fight. So we were like, OK, we can um, we can ask other people around. We can try to ask a principal. We can wait tomorrow to see if it's on the news. We'll just see. And then one of my boys got the idea. He was like, why don't we just ask somebody who was there? And so we found out who were there. We like what happened? And we went to them and knew that what they gave us was facts because they had firsthand experience of it. They're speaking from firsthand experience. Listen to what Jesus says to this dude, Nicodemus, once Jesus, he's talking to Nicodemus about teaching God. And Jesus says, I talk about what I've seen. I witness what I've heard. No one's been to, No one has been to heaven except for the one who's come down from heaven. What's he saying? Translation. I'm speaking about God from firsthand experience. I can tell you about God because I've been there with God. I can tell you about God because I've heard God. I can tell you about God because I've seen God. Jesus is the only source for truth about God. So am my friends who, who, who like to consume content, the podcasts, the books, the, the articles, the shows, the conversations. Listen to me. If those facts didn't originate with Jesus, it's absolutely fake news. Any proposition anyone gives you, I'd advise you to just follow that trail back to its source. And if it didn't originate in the mouth and person of Jesus, it's not legitimate. He is our only source for truth about God and righteousness. Only he gives us knowledge. But look at this kind of knowledge he gives us. The Greek lesson, that word that Jesus has, the knowledge that Jesus gives us is the knowledge that comes from sitting across the table from someone, not reading a biography about them or watching a Netflix series about them. So y'all know, I told y'all a few weeks ago, I'm watching The Crown. I've only got about 22 hours left. And then I'll know everything there is to know about Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) Everything there is to know about Elizabeth. But I don't know Elizabeth. That's a bunch of biographical information. But, But we all have friends and people who we've sat across the table with them. We've talked with them. We've listened to them. We've spent time with them. That's personal relational knowledge. Jesus says, when you come to my school, I'll give you personal relational knowledge of God, not just biographical knowledge about God. He says you will know God. Listen, a Christianity that's reduced to information is not Christ's Christianity. If your Bible reading is reduced to knowing things about God and not as seen as a way of God speaking to me and as a way to know God, then it's not Christ's Christianity. Christianity. I'm not just trying to tell you a bunch of stuff about God. I'm hoping I'm doing my best to point you actually to the person so you know this is about relationship. So the teacher, Jesus, he's the only teacher, and he actually gives us personal knowledge of God. Then the next thing, Jesus, after we meet the teacher, the teacher tells us what kind of students he teaches. This is important. There are some teachers that say I'll only teach third graders. Some say I only teach science students. Some say I only teach physical education students. Look at the kind of student Jesus says he teaches. Jesus teaches all. Jesus, what kind of students do you teach? All of them. You see what he says? This is the great invitation. Come to me. Who all just look through the life of Jesus? He, he, this is God in the flesh living a, in a society in which women didn't get formal educations. And, and in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is giving a night lecture in someone's house. And you want to know who's front row? A woman. Yep. He teaches all. In a society where tax collectors were seen as Benedict Arnolds, haters of their country, they were absolutely ostracized from the community. Jesus walked up to Matthew, who was a tax collector while he was tax collecting, and said, come to my school and follow me. He teaches all. Peter, who had denied Jesus to a little girl, Jesus knew he was going to do that. And Jesus said, Peter, come follow me. Judas, who sold Jesus... Jesus knew he was going to do that. And Jesus said, come follow me. You an absolute mess up, Jesus teaches you. You someone who has been pushed out in other places, Jesus teaches you. Listen, Christ Church, of the many reasons that we welcome all people, one of the reasons is that Jesus, the teacher, the leader, the Lord, the king, the shepherd of this community says, I teach them all, so we welcome them all. He says, I teach all. But then he gets more specific. He says, all who are heavy laden. And uh, uh, labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. So, so let's look at let's look at the scene. So Jesus is standing, in front from a crowd of people, and their teachers, the religious leaders, the Pharisees are in the middle of that crowd. And Jesus says, "Y'all who are currently being taught by the Pharisees, come to me." Here's what it means for them to be who to to labor and be heavy laden. The the Jewish people like us wanted to know God and know righteousness. And so the Pharisees, this group of people, came to them and said, we know the way. You come under our way of thinking and doing and living and we'll get you there. But here's what it looked like. For for example, the Sabbath. Let's take one of their Sabbath rules. So the Sabbath was the Jewish day of rest. And the Pharisees said, okay, if this is a day where we rest, that means we don't work. So here's what we'll do. No one can walk more than 3,000 feet on the Sabbath. Beyond 3,000 feet, that's counted as work. At the same time, you need to be in the church worshiping God on the Sabbath. So put one and one together. That means you should probably build a house within a 3,000 foot radius of the synagogue. But if you can't do that, here's what you can do. You can pack a lunch with you. This is a true story. Fact. Historical. You can pack a lunch with you and you can walk 3000 feet. And after that 3000 foot, you can sit down, eat that lunch. And that spot is considered your new house so that you can walk another 3000 feet on the Sabbath. That's exhausting. Some of you know what it's been like over the past year, year and a half to be to, to be hit with different regulations and rules. And in procedures and standards, and you're absolutely burnt out on them. Take that and apply it to knowing God. He says, y'all labor, you're drained. You're heavy laden, you're you're, you're weighed down by them. He says, come to me. We're 2,000 years and a lot of 1,000 miles removed from the Pharisees, but we still live under that kind of life. There's still groups around us who say, you come under my way of thinking come under our way of living and we'll get you to god and we'll get you to right living i'm willing to bet you 50 cents that every adult in this room over the past 18 months have has felt the pressure to do to think to say to project the right thing to walk on eggshells cuz cuz that's what they them would want me to do you felt that and you're tired Let's just name some of them, maybe. Maybe it's a political party who says, think about this that way. Maybe it's a social movement who says, say this about that thing that way. Maybe maybe it's your mom's voice in your head. I know you still hear your mother. That's exhausting. Well, if your mom's in the room, don't look at her. Come on, guys, be spiritual. That's exhausting. And Jesus says, are you tired from all that? Is it draining you? Are you burnt out? You're the kind of student I'm looking for. Come to me. Not only does he teach us who he show us who he teaches, but then he gives us course objectives. Uh, College students, y'all have seen on your syllabus, the course objectives, if you look at the things. Um, I didn't. Um, But the course objectives, it's where the teacher is saying, this is what you'll learn while you're in this course. Jesus gives us his number one course objective. He says, I'll give you rest. What's Jesus' goal for this educational experience? Rest. He says, come to me, all who are, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Place my yoke on you and learn from me. That's the same thing. Um, a yoke, um, this word, this concept was used metaphorically for learning from someone. So what would happen is they'd get like this big cattle um, steer. Let's just say a steer is in Jerusalem. Probably don't exist over there. But let's say there's a steer in Jerusalem. And they wanted this big old steer to carry this big old weight of something. They put a yoke on the steer. They put a beam on its back and tie it to that weight. And that yoke would help them carry that heavy burden. that, That yoke ended up being symbolic of teachings and instructions that would help students carry the burden of the teacher, the expectations of the teacher. Jesus says, take mine on you and you'll have rest. my friends who come up in a extremely strict Christian household in an overly rules-based Christian church. Notice what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke on you. Well, what happens when we grow up in an extremely strict Christian environment is we become adults and we swing to the opposite end of the spectrum and say, I'm just going to live free without restraint and without obligations. Friends, that's not life with Jesus, Jesus says the Christian life isn't a life without a yoke, without restraint, without obligations. It's a life with mine. Listen, we're all yoked to something, wearing somebody's yoke. Jesus says, no, take mine and it'll give you rest. Followers of Jesus, um, could it be that the, the... The anxious feeling that we feel, the deep confusion, the deep distress that we feel when it comes to living life in our current environment and whatever situation may be. Could it be that that anxiety that we feel and that restlessness to do the right thing reveals that we're probably not wearing Jesus's yoke? Because Jesus says, when you got mine on, you'll have rest. Could it be that you feel this pressure and you can't sleep and you're constantly going and you're doing this and that and that? Because maybe it's not his yoke you have on, but it's theirs you have on. He says, no, put mine on and I'll give you rest. Yeah. Let's talk about rest. Um, Augustine, one of my favorite preachers, y'all have heard me quote him. He says, he says, oh, God, you've made us for you and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Translation, Augustine says, your rest is God himself. Jesus says, I'll give you rest. He's saying, I'm not just going to give you an easier path, but I'm going to give you the God who is the end of the journey. I'm going to give you the God who you've been searching for. I'm going to give you the God that you've been longing for since you came out of your mother. I'm going to give you rest. He says, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you God. How can he say that so confidently? You got to be a cold dude. Imagine if I stood up up here one day and said, listen to my sermons. I'll give you God. You got to be a cold dude to say that. You want to know why I think he could say that. So think of one of your closest relationships scenario. You you didn't know them well at first, but you wanted to get to know them well. Um, so there's a good chance you invited them to come over to your house, have dinner They share a little bit about themselves. You share a little bit about yourself. You start a relationship because they came to your house and shared themselves with you. Uh, The reason Jesus can say, I'll give you God so confidently is not because he's some teacher who's teaching us about this God. He doesn't know, but it's because he's God himself who came to your house and said, I'm sharing myself with you. Listen to what his cousin John said his story was. John says in the beginning was He." And he was with God and he was God. He was God in the beginning. In him was the light and this light was the life of men and the darkness has not overcome this light. Skip down about six verses. John says this word he Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That means this pre-eternal God stepped into the world through the womb of a woman without the help of a man put on full humanity, the full human mind, full human body, full human heart Heart, full human emotions, somehow stayed God and lived on this earth and shared himself with us. John says, and we've seen his glory. We've seen his beauty. We've seen all that he is. Then John says, no one's ever seen God, but this God who's been at the father's side forever and now dwells among us has made him known. He says he's in our house. He's come to the home of all of humanity and he shared himself with us. That's good news when you know your need. Paul Morton, old preacher, gospel singer, he he says, God, I need you like the ocean needs the water. And it'll run dry. He says I need you like the stars need the setting of the sky. I, I need you like tomorrow needs the hours of today to pass by. He says, I need you early in the morning when I wake. I need you every step I take. God, I need your mercy and your grace. He says, God, I need you. And the good news is that God's not distant. God has not withheld himself. God is not playing hard to get. God is not saying I'm waiting on you to invite me. God is not saying climb up the ladder. God has come into your home and shared himself with you. He's given himself to us. And he says, while I'm here, just let me show you how I'm going to be while I'm sharing myself with you. He says, I'm gentle and I'm lowly. I'm gentle. I handle you with care. I had a coach, one of my best basketball coaches. Here's another, um, sports illustration, Jeremiah. Sorry about you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I heard the comment. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, Oh, uh, gentle and lowly, <laughs> gentle and lowly. Oh, that messed up the moment. Um, gentle and lowly. Jesus says, I'm gentle. So I, I had this basketball coach. He got the best season out of me. He, I had my best season under this man, but he was a hard man. Um, when I say I got cussed out every day, I got cussed out every day. He said cuss words that I knew were cuss words and cuss words that I learned were cuss words just because of his tone. People say sticks and stones break my bones, but words never hurt me. You're a liar. His words hurt me. He he crushed us. But he got us to conform. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to crush you to get you to conform. Isaiah 42 says a bruised reed. He will not break. He's gentle. And he says, I'm lowly. I'm lowly. I'm humble. Heard a story about a man who used to teach at the Bible college before I went there. And the story says he, he was a doctor and he was teaching. And one of the students raised their hand and questioned what he said. And this professor, I don't know if it's true or not. I heard it. But the professor apparently said, pull out your syllabus. Kid pulls out the syllabus and the professor says, what are those three letters next to my name? And kid says, Ph.D. The professor says, shut up and listen. He he used his position to to, to win the kid over. Jesus says, I'm lowly. I'm humble. Uh, Paul says it this way. He had the highest position. He was God, but he did not count equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he lowered himself. He humbled himself. He made himself a human. He died for you to serve you and to win you over. He's humble. He says, my teaching style is gentleness and humility. And he says, here's how my curriculum is. Here's my curriculum. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke, my teaching is easy. That means it's suitable. It fits you well. Jesus is not trying to take you a round peg and shove you into a square hole. He's saying, no, I'm taking you the round peg and putting you in a square hole. You fit in my teaching. And he says, my burden is light. It's not heavy. It's not unbearable. John says his commandments aren't burdensome. All he's asked us to do is love God and love one another. He's a good teacher. He's a good teacher. Here's the invitation. He says it's enrollment time. Come to me. Come to my class. Come to my class and get God. Come to my class and get righteousness. Come to my class and I'll give you me. Come to my class. For some of us, that means come to him by believing in him. This 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 right, this this rightness that some of us have been searching for. Listen to me. That rightness is a righteousness, a way of living. That's that's him. And he says, I'll give myself to you for the rest of us Christians. That means we need to prayerfully center Jesus in our pursuit of knowledge. Make him the center. Yes. Start with him. Everything you want to say about God, start with Jesus. Everything you want to think about God, start with Jesus. Go to Jesus for learning. And he's given us a textbook. He's revealed himself in the scriptures. Who do the scriptures say this Jesus is? How, how does Jesus present himself through the scriptures? He says, that's where you get me. This is our priority, Christ Church. This is why there are pockets of people throughout our community who get together and do Bible studies on a weekly basis because they want to start with him. Right. This is why we have a reading plan every fall that goes throughout the year because we want to start with him. We're starting this thing called the Academy here in a few weeks where we're going to go through the Christian story and Christian belief and Christian formation and other, other classes because we want to start with him. He says, start with me and I'll give you me. Yeah. Can I pray for us? Yeah. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for this great invitation. Thank you for making yourself available to us. Thank you for coming to us. You, you didn't wait on us. You initiated this. You started this. You you came to us and said, here I am. So help us to receive you. Help us to, to depend on you for knowledge and for understanding. We look to you. Amen.